welcome to One More Thing. Uh, we have a special edition that we're uh, doing today. Got some, some guests with us. We uh, put together a little trip to uh, overseas in response to what was going on with Ukraine. I went to Poland, and so... As we were talking earlier, this is the ragtag group that yeah. was cobbled together, <laughs> cobbled together uh, to uh, to make some try to hopefully make some impact uh, in Ukraine in response to what's going on there. Uh, well, let's just introduce ourselves. Maybe that'd be a good place to start. I'm David Culp. I'm the lead pastor of First Church. Um, yeah, you are. I am. I think last last report at last report I was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Todd Gustafson. I'm the president and CEO of Connexus Group. I'm Bob Moss. I'm a semi-retired pastor now and a part of First Church family. And I'm Caleb Culp, the son of the pastor of First Church. Really? And I also You're... work at Connexus Group wow. as well. Yeah. So good. Welcome. So yeah, we uh, just, in, and I think Todd, you were probably the, the guy that was just back there pushing all of us to, to do something. Uh, and maybe just speak to that. What, 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 what was going on in you that uh, when... And we all were moved by what was going on in Ukraine initially, you know, right out of the gate, just just mortified at what was going on. But you especially, I feel like, just yeah, there was yeah. something there that you I, pushed. I think um, I think I was at home watching on TV uh, the atrocities unfold and the, the this terribly sad events in Ukraine, and I thought to myself, I, I can't sit on the couch and just eat chips and do nothing. I had to do something, and I just didn't know what it was. So, as you know, you're one of the first persons I reached out to to say, I'm, I'm thinking of doing something. What are your thoughts? And you gave me some really good encouragement. And, and you and I have done a trip before, so I was motivated from that. And that just kind of took over. I just I didn't, I didn't want to be at home eating the chips on the couch going, <laughs> okay, that's, yeah. that's really sad. I'm going to bed now and back on with the rest of my life. I just didn't think that was fair. And I was just moved to action. Yeah, yeah. And then, Bob, how did you come to be engaged with this? Yeah, this so, guy? you know, I got, I got a phone call from you, David, and you mentioned that there was great interest among the pastoral staff, but the way the trip fell on the calendar, everybody kind of needed to be here for Easter. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. So, and yeah. so you, you basically <laughs> said, Bob, would you go as our emissary for First Church? Because... When I was a senior pastor here at First Church, I, I did a lot of mission yeah. trips, and so I kind of know the ropes, and I was glad to jump on board with this with this motley team that we have. <laughs> Ragtag. Well, yeah, and just, just yeah. something that just to show some of that credibility that you've been there, done that, got the T-shirt back when the, the Iron Curtain fell um, back in the 80s. Mm -hmm. um, you took a group when we didn't know what was going on on the other side of the Iron Curtain uh, in Hungary and Russia, you went and were one of the, one of the first on the ground to see yeah. what what's the uh, impact now of the church in. Yeah, so you've you've yeah. you've definitely got some experience there. So yeah, in Eastern Europe for for many years, and because I, I, you know the church has had a strong relationship with the Hungarian church uh, as a byproduct of that over the years. Yeah, yeah, and then Caleb, what was the What's, what's your story of engagement here? How did you first get involved? Yeah, I think I got a call from Todd on a Tuesday. And I'll, I'll never forget this moment because it's, it's a, like a core memory now in my life. I got a call from Todd on Tuesday. And he's like, want to go to Poland on Saturday? <laughs> and it, in my head, I'm like, I, I think, Todd, you'll probably remember. I was like, 
yeah, that's pretty soon, but I'm down if we know. <laughs> that's exactly uh, what he said. <laughs> yeah. And so walking through that process, I mean, it, we, we ended up pushing it out. Uh, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, to, due to some of the travel restrictions, but we figured it out. But ultimately, that was that was the conversation. It was, want to go to Poland? Let's do something about Ukraine. And mm-hmm. similar to Todd, it was, I was tired of setting around. You see it on the news, but then you forget about it the second it passes by the news. So it was cool to take a second to say, yeah, we're going to go do something. We're going to be intentional about getting over there and, and actually helping people. I don't, I don't think we would have gone if Caleb would have said no, right? Because that would have been my first call. I, <laughs> besides got, you, got and I get a down. no. I'm like, who am, I, who am I going with until you put this together with Bob? So, I mean, Caleb was a really important catalyst for this project. Yeah, yeah. very much so. Yeah, yeah. And so then, so now we've got, you know, a few, a few folks because Connexus has a lot of great work in the community here locally. Um, and so just, it was, there was a natural uh, fit of some, just that affinity of, of making a difference. And so began to talk to other maybe funders cause we needed, yeah. we wanted to be able to send some dollars with the group so that we could actually make a difference. It <laughs> just talk to people, you know, how can we actually make a difference? So tell us maybe how, how did that begin to come together? So, some of the resources. So, so I think the next step in it, once we all kind of coalesced um, or are coalescing, was to really reach out to a really important person in the community on a whim. I was having lunch with Anna Murphy from United Way, yeah. <laughs> and said, "Anna, I got a group. We want to go to Poland. We want to do something." And she said, "Okay, who are we going to connect with?" And I said, "I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> do you right. know anybody in Poland?" <laughs> and she said. Actually, I do. She said, I have a, a, a friend, a classmate from way back when I was in high school, Laura Sokol, Laura Sokol, who has been an expat and has lived in Warsaw for decades now. She has her own business in Europe. We all met her and spent some time with her. And frankly, I don't know that we could have found a better person. I know. She was amazing. So, so hospitable and so uh, impassioned in her own heart to try to help. It was amazing. Yeah. So you then connected with her when you got on the ground in Poland she was she was just a key so I started emailing her yeah and thankfully she was already actively engaged in supporting Ukrainians that were coming into Warsaw and for many of you that know I think it was over over four million Ukrainians have fled at some point to uh, Poland and Poland has been awesome in welcoming them in right with volunteering and support and assistance and housing and food and Laura was already engaged in that so we got connected to the perfect person and so when she said what do you want to do and who do you want to help and we said we're not really sure Mm. (laughs) how about if you connect us to some people she she did that yeah and so we kind of picked up from there she made a lot of bridges probably four or five bridges yeah Yeah. yes and I think on top of that the connecting with people before I think in, in, in this case, we were very intentional about looking in every area, whether it's the U.S. Embassy, whether it's talking to people Whirlpool, whether it's talking to, to other groups on the ground that we know maybe have people over there that are working. I mean, it was email literally everyone you think might have a connection yeah. and see where there's a, there's a possibility to, to connect on the ground and see what good things are happening. So that, there's a dichotomy there between that and like setting in church on Sunday and wait, waiting for someone to say, oh, there's a mission trip. And there's like, right. then the opportunities are presented to you. I think in this case, based on Todd's leadership, we, we just went and said, we're not going to wait for the opportunity to come to us. We're sure. going to go seize the opportunity and figure out where we can mm-hmm. be. And, to f- and, and what a great model that the, the faith community and the, just the, the, just the community at, at large outside the faith community, us, we're all coming together to try to, 
to try to make a difference. And that's the way it, it should work. <laughs> well, what, what, what did you think when we came back to you to said, we've made some connections. Can you help us maybe raise some money? <laughs> I mean, the first church was huge in this. I mean, without the first church and the generosity mm-hmm. and of our networks, but especially first church, we go over there with a hundred dollars or whatever. Yeah, I'm making that up. But I mean, that, yeah. that wouldn't have been impactful. And we said, yeah. Bob was really clear as was Caleb was like, we don't want to just make a one-time transactional relation. You know, here we are, here's some money and never see us again. We've continued those relationships. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, we were able to raise some dollars, let our congregation know. And some people were, you know, very generous and open, you know, their checkbooks and wrote some checks. But then interesting, Caleb, you used kind of the power of social media and, and got some, you, you use some creative ways to get some other funding too. I and mean, it was wild. I think when we originally taught, I don't remember if you remember this conversation, but it was, we, we had set up this site on donor box to be able to collect donations online. And I remember Todd and I having the conversation, like, what do we think we're going to get? And I don't, <laughs> I think that number was like, maybe it would, at the beginning it was like two or $3,000. We could probably get that. And then we hit the two or $3,000 mark, like after a couple of days and we're like, yeah, maybe five, 6,000. <laughs> and then we hit that another couple of days later. So it was it, people from everywhere. I forget the, you know, I'll pull up the number here as we're having the conversation, but it was something like a hundred people that whether it's $10 or a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars, just donated money and said, yes. good luck. Like we trust you guys and, yep. and the mission that you're going on. Yes. We outlined some items, but it was the that was really riveting. It was the, the trust that they put in us to be able to use those dollars, spend those dollars to help people on the ground. And then the, just the extreme generosity of everybody. Yeah. So then you've got some, you, you, you're, you're going, got some dollars, identified some partners. So tell us now you're, you're on the ground, you show up in Poland. Tell us what, just walk us through a little bit of those connections and what, what you find when you get there. Yeah. The, fir- the first thing I'll say. And you're um, in Warsaw. Th- yeah. This was my first impression. You know, we, of course, when you first arrive in any country after a long travel, your first thing on your mind is to try to get some rest. Yeah. So you have some initial impressions, but the first day, as we began to walk around the city and we began to just really take note of our environment, we, we did not see what we kind of expected to see was like streets teeming with lines of refugees or look what would look like homeless people laying in the streets. What we really saw was what, what Todd just mentioned a little while ago, that we saw evidence of a very organized effort for the Polish people to welcome their neighbors. And people had absorbed them into their private homes, absorbed them into uh, office buildings and convention centers and places where people could get a roof over their head. There were supplies being delivered. There were train tickets being offered We for free so that people could go meet up with family members in other places in Europe. So what we were really seeing was an organized effort, not chaos. And yeah. that was comforting to us because it realized, hey, we we can maximize our impact by joining forces with some of this organized effort. So that was a very a good thing to experience at the very beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Bob made, a, made an important mention of the word compassion i mean we mm-hmm. we'll talk about that in a second um but i think at the beginning the compassion for us was like overwhelming like yes. I, I mean i was like really impressed by poland in general and yeah. the, the welcoming compassion they had showed strangers complete strangers they had poland has deep political and cultural ties to ukraine right so i mean there was a natural effect there however they do speak different languages 
Um, and there's a natural barrier there, but the, the families of, of Poland just took people in and helped them. And at every train station or every bus station, there was a volunteer tent. And in many cases, the World Kitchen, which is really prominent and has been very active over in that space, had a food tent, including across the hotel from us at the main train station and other places we went to. So it was almost like ethnic Ukrainian days in Poland, right? The, mm-hmm. the buses yeah. had welcome, you know, in right. Polish right. You know, with the Ukrainian flag and stuff and then little flags on the telephone poles and mm-hmm. stuff. It was like, wow, this is overwhelmingly uh, inspiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think one point I want to make clear too, it was, Bob mentioned it, but it was, the, it was very visible, just the organized, it was, it was organized chaos in a way, but our taxi trip from the airport to the hotel, I don't know if you guys remember this, Todd struck up a conversation with a guy and just asked, like, what what are your feelings or what what have you noticed about the city change since the war started? And I remember the guy saying, we started out, you know, Warsaw, I'm not going to remember the numbers, but it was one, 1. 1.5 million people in Warsaw. And in two weeks' time, it was 1.7 million. Hmm. And so then that, that 200,000 people just coming into the city, obviously that's going to shock the system. Yes. And in their ability, we had come here, you know, a couple weeks then after that, their ability to, to react to that in a way grab volunteers, World Kitchen sets up. I mean, it was a quick reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was interesting to hear that conversation of just, we're in a taxi driving to the to the hotel from the airport. And it's very visible, at least from the conversation we had, about the impact. Just this guy that's driving a taxi, he knew immediately those numbers. Um, yes. could rattle them off. And imagine it's a, it's a country of 44 million people and they absorb three to four million people within a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. the population increased by 10%. Yes. It's yes. a matter of it's wild. weeks, yeah. Yeah. And so what you then began to work these connections that uh, that you had had begun to forge. Can you tell us a little about some of the some of the groups, organizations that you interfaced with and kind of how that went? Yeah, we met a number of um, nonprofit groups, some formally created and some in the process. I think Caleb can speak really well to the Help Center, which was our main connection, mm-hmm. um, although we've connected with others. But Caleb, that was a that was a great um, one that Laura introduced us to, and we actually saw what Bob mentioned we didn't see initially, which were the lines of, mm-hmm. of people later coming for food, and in the help center in particular. As as since we've been there, right when we were there, they served about eight hundred Ukrainians a day, uh, coming for food or housing or connected to language skills, but mostly food um, and clothing and clothing, clothing and yes. clothing. Yeah, they could get yeah, and so. Um, they had since said, listen, we, we, we don't have enough supplies, so we can, you can only come once a month. Okay, so they could only come once a month. I mean, I'm sorry, once a week. Then they, they, they boiled it down to once a month. I mean, you could come daily, and now it's only once a month. So, I mean, the demand is huge there, but Caleb has established a really good relationship with that group. Yeah, I think the, the important note, we had talked to Laura. Laura got us connected with them, and we really, when we heard about it, we, we had all these groups to talk to throughout the week. We had kind of planned the trip, and the help center while it was one that we we thought would be key, it wasn't the one that we thought would be the most key. And I think it turned out to be the most riveting conversation we had with the God of the director. Mm -hmm. But anyways, we we got connected with Laura. We went and bought food um, for them at a local supermarket. We filled up a couple cars full of food. Uh, I I forget the dollar amount. It was like $1,100 we spent. And we filled up two full car loads of food. And so we we drove it over there. We parked on the street. It was closed that day. There were still people standing outside. Um, Ukrainians just waiting to get stuff, but they were on the, the when donations would come in, this was the day when they were closed down so they could accept donations. And so we get there, we take everything in, you walk through, it is literally this, the walls are concrete, That it's a, it's a building that's a little run down on the inside, but they had filled, packed it with food, 
packed it with clothes, shoes, uh, and we, we brought in, we carried in a ton of food. Um, and as we're doing that, I think the conversation turned to, uh, we walked through with a God and her conversation. She's the director at this specific location. Uh, we just asked her some questions about how you're doing. What does it look like? And, and it was cool to see, you could tell she was physically exhausted. Yes. She works a full-time job. And then she comes here and volunteers her time. She doesn't get paid for it. All They're all volunteers. And so the ability for that Agata to run this 800 Ukrainians coming through there today, the, the purpose of the help center was to, to give out free items of food and clothing because no one had money. And so we, we had given that those donations and going through and walking through and just hearing her story of how that started up, how many people they've served, the work it takes to organize the 40 or 50 volunteers to make sure they had people in that. I mean, it was, it was an amazing system of just people like us that decided to do something yes. and just figured it out. So frame, frame for us, for those that kind of don't get it, all oh, these people, they, they're lined up for food, whatever. Frame for people who are listening that have maybe don't know a lot of the detail. Frame what, what kind of people were there. I mean, what, what causes people then to need to line up every day for food? What's, what was going on? I mean, it, I mean what were the, the, the stories generally of people that were coming to a place like this? How did they get there? So one of the things we saw so much were uh, young families, but really young mothers with small children. Because if you remember the news, fathers and husbands were required to stay behind and fight. That was a, it was a law of the land in Ukraine. Yeah. And so here are people who just are lost. They don't know what to do, where to go. They have these little children they just in got their out. care. They just got out. They ran for their lives, literally. You remember how heavy the shelling was and, and um, in all through the country, not just in the eastern Donbass region. You know, so people were fleeing for their lives. They're afraid. They're confused. They're traumatized. Homes uh, many times are blown up behind them. They have no place to go back to. So here are these people um, who just have the kinds of needs that we saw in our own country when Hurricane Katrina came through. And I, I, the reason I bring that up as a kind of a parallel is because when the news cycle starts changing, like it did, you know, how many years ago when Hurricane Katrina happened, the needs didn't go away just because the news cycle changed. Mm -hmm. the, the people of Ukraine are deeply traumatized and the needs continue, although the level of attention from the world is kind of going down. You know, Ukraine's not the first story in the news anymore. You know, it's somewhere three fourths of the way down the broadcast. Yeah. You know, so. And so you, these were people that literally had run, like you said, they'd run for their lives. So just get, so that we get kind of a sense of who we're talking about is being served. I think it's so, important. so if we kind of um, take it down another level. So we, we went to Poland, made some connections, connected with these nonprofits. They were serving all these people. The prime example of the type of people that were being served was a family we happened to meet at, at Laura's house. So Laura not only connected us to these other nonprofits, she had enough room, thankfully, that she could take some families in. And we met one of the families. So it was, it was um, uh, Natasha and her young daughter. I think she was seven or eight. Yes. Um, so we get to spend a little time with her, with Laura translating and uniquely with English and Ukrainian and um, <laughs> Polish. So we, we met with her, and what happened was her husband uh, had driven to the border after the Russians made uh, the break for Kiev. And so he drove to the border, randomly on Facebook, uh, came across Laura's offer for a place to stay, 
called her up and said, hey, can you take my daughter and my wife? I have to go back um, to Kiev to, you know, fight the Russians. And so Anastasia, uh, or I'm sorry, not Natasha, was the perfect example in her daughter. She had a uh, flourishing business that uh, existed. Then the Russians invaded. It went away. I think their building and their home got bombed as well. So they basically lost everything, right? So little, little to no clothes, no way to support themselves financially. And oh, by the way, the husband had to go back and, and serve. And, and hopefully, you know, God willing, he's, he's still alive. So they were the prime example of the type of people that we were seeing across the board. Yeah. Yes. Wow. There was a little bit of that feeling like that old parable about the person throwing the starfish back <laughs> into the sea. You know, I can't save every one of them, but we can sure make a difference for this one. Yeah. And we, we really feel like we did. Yeah. So tell us, tell us how you, you know, what you did for that, yeah, for ahead. that particular family. Yeah. So or what we were able, yeah, we, yeah, we, we, that are watching, you yeah, supported yeah. financially. So tell you're us, part, part what did ra- we do? You're part of the rag, you're part of the ragtag <laughs> group. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So with a specifically with Natasha and her daughter, it was coming up on the school season, and so they had the clothes on their back, and so we we gave them some dollars in order to get backpack and school supplies and mm-hmm. the ability to stay warm for the winter, some winter clothes. Um, and, and for her young daughter to go to school in Poland. And, and that was a, that's a part of the story as well. You think about all the young kids that come over from Ukraine. They're now in a, a new city, new home. They now have to find a school. And some of the, the schools were filling up dramatically. Yes. You're talking about the classrooms. You know, a classroom right. that has 30 Polish kids in it now has 45, and 15 of them speak Ukrainian and, and 30. <laughs> the, so there's this, the, mm-hmm. there was such a need for... Uh, you know, there's always a need to take care of those children. And so in that specific circumstance, we were able to provide some dollars for Natasha and her young daughter to be able to survive in Poland. Yeah. And then what maybe other, the other big picture were able to help what organizations, what were the organizations that were able to help as well? So the help center was one. And then we did, um, yeah, uh, East West Link EWL, which is a private company that has its own um, foundation that was serving Ukrainians that were coming off the train, one of the main train stations into into Warsaw. So we provided some financial support to them. What they were doing is temporarily housing and feeding people coming off the train until they could find a, a permanent or more permanent destination. They're still doing that. They were also shipping back supplies to Ukraine, medical mm-hmm. equipment yes. and clothing. Um, and so I think we, I mean, I know we made an impact with that. We still have a conversation ongoing with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then who else did I miss? Yeah, we, Habitat for Humanity was another yeah. key connection. Habitat for Humanity of Poland. Mm-hmm. They're refurbishing old buildings to provide housing. Warsaw was already had no apartments in it when the war started. And yeah. so you, you look at it now with that flood of individuals coming in, housing is the biggest need. And so Habitat is, is doing some things to be able to refurbish some older buildings in order to create apartments. And, and we got connected to Habitat through Whirlpool. So thanks to Whirlpool for their connections. In fact, yes. Whirlpool's been very active in, in in supporting Poland, for example. they I know they have a couple plants there. We met with the regional director. He set us up with Habitat for Humanity. And as Caleb mentioned, we were able to make a contribution there as well. Um, and the housing aspect, as he mentioned, there's a housing shortage in, in Polish people in the law. It's very difficult to evict people. So the Polish folks were um, reluctant to um, rent directly to a lot of Ukrainian people. So Habitat for Humanity is also kind of filling that void by saying, well, we'll be the ones that rent yeah. and take yes. and manage that, which, yes. which helped. Yeah. That was a big deal. So I think one of the... You know, the themes that I hear is just this collaboration. Mm-hmm. How just there's so many uh, intricate pieces, and people were willing to to work together and 
set whatever aside so that you know, we just let's just help some people. I love that quote. It, you can it's amazing how much you can accomplish when you don't care who gets the credit. That's right. And that was the sense of this whole thing. We don't. It, it's not about any one organization. We'll just all collaborate. We'll all work together. We'll all figure it out together, mm-hmm. and we'll just help some people. Yeah. So so as we kind of move toward wrapping up a little bit, I think an important question to ask you guys: How did this change you? What did What did you learn? What How did How were you changed as a result of this whole time? Well, I know one thing for sure. I know a lot more about hungry. From talking to Bob, <laughs> he is the ambassador from Hungary, yeah. the United States. Because right. uh, we did talk about the region as a whole. So yeah, I know. sure. <laughs> I, I guess I'll start out. I, I think I keep going back to that Bob Goff quote, and I'll read it off because uh, I think this sums it up really well. Um, Living a life fully engaged and full of whimsy and the kind of things that love does is something most people plan to do, but along the way they just kind of forget. Their dreams become one of those, we'll go there next time, deferrals. But the sad thing is, for many, there is no next time. Because passing on the chance to cross over into an overall attitude towards life rather than a single decision. So I think that that quote, to me, really encapsulates how it changed me, that trip. It's, you can plan on doing something in the future, but there's times when you just have to step out in faith and do it. And so yes. I, I think in this case, you, you see the Polish people respond to this war mm-hmm. and step out and just say, we're going to do it. We'll figure it out. I think for us, we all three and the church as a whole decided we're just going to do something. Yeah. Uh, screw the plan. Let's just figure it out mm-hmm. as we go into mm-hmm. it. And yeah. so I think that yeah. there's times when a plan is necessary. And I think in this yeah. case, we were able to figure it out, but there's also times when you just have to respond in faith. And I think that's, that's what, what changed me. Yeah. It's so. good. I guess I would add that in, in a very divisive time in human history when mm. there's been so much polarization, we can all kind of carry this, this down feeling of disillusionment, uh, almost like we've lost faith in the goodness of human beings, mm. that we, we label people as, you know, everybody's an activist and everybody's angry. But what we saw really inspired us to see the goodness of humanity, people behaving with a great integrity of, of heart and great uh, compassion for their neighbor that inspired me to believe yeah. in the goodness of people again. Yeah, yeah I, I would take us back to the initial story when we started today, which is being on the couch, which I literally was, <laughs> flipping through all the news channels to catch up on what was going on and just being aghast and mm-hmm. saying, I have to do more. And it's an example of um, making a difference in the world requires action. Yes. It's an active, it's an active sport. And it's easy for all of us to say, I can't do it because of this or that or this, that that's the easy part. But even if you contributed a dollar, that was an action that you took and we used to make an impact with it and amplify it. And really, if you have the will, more things are possible than you realize. It just reinforced that for me. So yeah, that's really good. I, I one time was talking to an individual that had gone on what for me it seemed like just some crazy overseas trips of just really putting her life on the line, and and just was asking her kind of why would you go and and do that? And she said, Well, I have the resources. I can. I can make a difference. I think I should. <laughs> it's just that it's yeah. that simple. Yeah. I, you, Amen. you could, right. you had 
resources and we got some more to give you to take and you did and you made a difference yeah yeah and i just to add to that i think there's moments in time where you can have make the decision to step out but the key piece is the change in an attitude towards life to do it yes it's not and i i'm guilty of this that when we came back getting flooded flooded with work emails (laughs) or focusing on other things and then forgetting that we just took this insane trip to Poland and we made a difference, but what are we going to do after that? So mm-hmm. it's like the, so what, what's next? Right. Yeah. And it's, it's, can we retain that feeling of continuously making a difference, continuously stepping out, continuously be the ones uh, to be bold in this situation. And I think that's the challenge to all of us as we continue to walk this path and figure out what we're going to continue to do. Sure. Yeah. It's the, can we change our attitude towards life to just always step out? Yeah. That's it. There's a, there's an, there's an added story I want to add to this that no one is aware of. It just came up this week related to this, our trip and the impact we made. So I know we've made an impact over there and we will continue to do so. Thank you. Thankfully to everybody that has supported us. And I know we still have an interest. Um, I w- we were at the Connexus group. We were in the process of interviewing some folks and someone got hired. And so she was super excited and she happened to poke her head in my office and just said, Hey, I want to thank you in the group that went to Ukraine. And I was like, how did you know? I went, how did you know? Yeah, I went to Ukraine. Cause it, you know, it's not like we're highly publishing it. Um, and she said, I, le- I searched, searched on LinkedIn and I knew if the leader of this organization cared enough to do something like that, there was something really special here I wanted to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, and it's not it's not me. It's, it's, it's yeah, us and as a right. group. So sure. we're mm-hmm. impacting people in ways we will we never, never know. know. Yes. Yeah. 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 So can we talk just a second as we conclude? What? So what? The So what? What is? So how maybe somebody's listening and they'd like to be engaged or kind of next steps or you know, what, what are maybe an organization that they might uh, connect with if they want to give or, or whatever. What's, what, what I, I think we're going, we're going back, right? Are we not, we're not, we're not, we're not done. <laughs> <laughs> we're going back, right? Yeah. I think, you know, moving the next steps and the, so what, obviously I think we're, we're going to try and plan a trip for later in the year here so that we can go back and respond to those people. Part of the conversation, every time we met with somebody, it was, we're not just parachuting in and going to, you know, leave and never hear from us again. We've continued to have those conversations and continue to stay connected to the help center and EWL and Habitat and all those groups. So I think as we're trying to figure that out, uh, moving into the future, I think the best way to support is any dollars that come in, we're going to continue to donate to those groups that we've helped already. So the, the help center still needs money. Um, yes. EWL and the work that they're doing still need money. And so I think, you know, it's easy uh, to sit on your couch and give some dollars, but I think the next step past that is to have the conversations with everybody. Don't get complacent. You don't see it on the news as much. It's right. keep being intentional about having the conversations like these mm-hmm. and, and you know, spreading the word that we can make a difference. We have a path to do that, and we need to, we need to figure it out. And Bob, Bob mentioned something important we want to highlight, which is compassion. And, and there is now compassion fatigue that has set in in Poland, right, because they have been overwhelmingly welcoming these folks and, and helping them. And now they're like, okay, we've been doing this for a long time, and we're getting tired. So... That Poland needs as much help as, as anybody mm-hmm. moving forward. And so some of the reports back from Laura, uh, who has been keeping us regularly updated, um, was as it's waves, right? So it was first the people from Kiev as Russia was attacking there. Now they've kind of gone back. Now it's the Donbass region in the east. They're coming. But the folks that do go back periodically, right, they still have needs. Um, and then oddly, right, food and shelter and clothing is still a need. But the one that is odd is really 
power tools, right? So Laura's mm. like, hey, <laughs> there's a lack of power tools in Ukraine. So when they go back and they need to fix up or at least make it livable, yeah. their housing, they need power tools and there just aren't any. So mm-hmm. to Caleb's point, I, anybody who's watching this of the, what'd you say, 30 million people that watch this? <laughs> yeah, approximately. Yeah, give or take. Uh, any million. of the 30 million people that are watching <laughs> this, right? If anyone wants to contribute, as Caleb said, please do. You can go on the website and do it. We are talking about another trip, but you don't have to wait on us. You don't have to be on the couch eating the potato chips. You can actually reach out to any one of us and we'll set you up with Laura or EWL or the help center because they need help. And it doesn't, we don't have to be there in order for you to make that difference. Yeah. So is donor box, is it still? Yep. Still active. How would they connect with that? So I think what we'll do is we'll put the link out uh, when we post the video. And I think additionally, you know, the good way is to just donate to the church um, as well. And, and what was the earmark Ukraine earmark Ukraine? Yeah. Yeah. Good. And some people have expressed an interest in going back when and if we go back, right? A number of community leaders who have actually actually donated some money said they would like to come next time. So you're more than welcome as we yeah. put this together. So let us know. Okay. Great. Well, thanks for joining us for a special edition of our uh, One More Thing. It was great to talk to you. Great to hear some of the inside scoop. We'll get this uh, word out and we'll see, we'll see what the next steps are. Yeah, thanks yeah, thanks for having us. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. And supporting us. Thank you.